This is Real Estate Rookie episode 256. The biggest thing for me uh, when I was in college, I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and really changed my mindset in terms of money, in terms of building assets and build a passive income. My parents make pretty good money, but they never really had any type of assets or passive income. And they always kind of are like doing the rat race where they constantly have to work to make money and um, just seeing like there's another side to it and having that idea where I don't have to actually wake up and work to make money is just a beautiful thing. So just trying to chase that, it's kind of my big motivation. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, motivation, and stories you need to hear to kickstart your investing journey. And today, I want to shout out someone by the username of Keon DGO. Uh, Keon left a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that says, invaluable. Love hearing different ways to succeed in real estate. My eyes are now open to the possibilities and have used some of the strategies to get a few slam dunk deals. I hope young people are listening. Great jobs. Keon, we appreciate you. And if you haven't yet left us an honest rating review on whatever podcast platform it is you're listening to, take the time, do us that favor because the more reviews we get, more folks you reach, more folks you reach, more folks we hope. That's the goal here. And we're back again, <laughs> live in person. So we have Isaac joining us this time here in Phoenix, and he's going to tell you guys a little bit about himself and then we are going to do some rookie reply questions. We talk a lot about being a landlord, property management, and also lock systems and how to actually handle locks. When people break into your <laughs> units, so make sure you stick around for that piece. Yeah, there's a good story at the end. <laughs> yeah. But overall, Isaac's got a really, you know, really cool story. Um, he's he's in a couple of markets, so you learn about how he got into that. And he started pretty young too, which I think is is cool. You know, uh, most of our Guests start a little bit later in life, but Isaac was one of the few that got started early. So, Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets 
to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Ricky and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1. Cool. All right. Uh, so first, we want to bring up Isaac Lane, guys. Clap for Isaac Lane. Woo! Isaac, welcome onto the stage. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Yeah, so I'm Isaac Lane. I'm 26 years old and live out here in Phoenix, Arizona. Just recently moved out here in uh, March of this year. Started investing in 2021. And in my first year, bought three properties consisting of five units all together. I invest primarily out of state in Columbus, Ohio, mainly single family homes and small multifamily. So Isaac, why are you going to meetups? What are you looking for and what kind of value can you bring to other investors? Yeah, so in terms of value, just the knowledge of investing out of state and what's the best system of doing that. Um, majority of the properties I've bought have been sight unseen. And I feel, I mean, fairly comfortable with it buying them without seeing the properties. And then in, in terms of what I'm looking at, again, I'm pretty new in the Phoenix area, just, so just want to learn a little bit more about the area and where the good places to buy. I'm looking to get a uh, house hack pretty soon. And can you tell everyone what you do for your day job? Because I think it's like a unique thing that some people here might actually find some value in. Oh my gosh, I think it's super valuable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my uh, degree is in mechanical engineering. Um, I currently do project management for a commercial real estate firm where we help uh, commercial companies looking to renovate their space or move into a new space. So essentially, like, say that I maybe want to open a dentist office and I need a space to, you know, I want to find a space and convert it that's, you know, an empty shell into a, a dentist office, your company could help us do that. I'm your guy. <laughs> So um, just really quickly, man, I, I want to talk a little bit about the motivation for you, right? Because you, you went to school. Isaac also has his MBA. So he's a, he's a well-educated guy. And a lot of folks who go down that path, they just want to focus on climbing that corporate ladder. But you've, you've kind of made the decision to build this other path parallel to what you're doing in, in your W-2 world. Just lean in, like, help me understand why. Yeah, I think... The biggest thing for me uh, when I was in college, I read The Rich Dad, Poor Dad and it really changed my mindset in terms of money, in terms of building assets and build a passive income. Uh, my parents make pretty good money, but they never really had any type of assets or passive income. And they always kind of are like doing the rat race where they constantly have to work to make money and um, just seeing like there's another side to it and having that idea where I don't have to actually wake up and work to make money is just a beautiful thing. So just trying to chase that, it's kind of my big motivation. 
And where are you headed next with your real estate investing? Yeah, so I want to continue scaling up in Columbus, Ohio. want to move up to more like medium-sized multifamily properties, and then also we're going to get a house hack in the Phoenix area. All right, but Isaac, we appreciate you, brother. You got any last questions for Isaac? Actually, I do. Um, one thing is, I got two, actually. One is, what is your best piece of advice for a rookie investor getting started? Maybe it's something that you learned as a rookie or something you wish you would have done. Yeah, so my biggest piece of advice would be to find a mentor, somebody that's been through it, that's tried and true, and can really tell you, you can really learn from their mistakes and learn from their successes. I think I tried to just learn everything by myself, read as many books as possible, learn from the forums, and it was helpful, but a lot of the mistakes I could have avoided by finding somebody. So, One of the questions that we're going to address to you, Isaac, is what are the best first moves decisions to make when buying property out of state? Uh, I would say trying to build a team. So I would say the biggest things would be finding a real estate agent and then also a property manager. They're really going to have the expertise in terms of the market, in terms of which would be the best places to buy, depending on what your strategy is. And then also you got to trust them in terms of managing the property, in terms of the property manager, because I mean, I very, a lot of my properties I haven't actually ever seen in person. So I'm really relying on them to manage it correctly and pretty much receive the income every every month. So I would say real estate agent and find a PM. Just one follow-up question. Um, if you're going into a new market out of state, how do you find that agent? Like what steps did you take to find that agent that you trust? Bigger pockets. <laughs> just going on the forums. Say, say that one more time. Bigger pockets. That's the place to go. You know, just going on the forums and asking people and they send recommendations. So very helpful. Okay, and now we're going to take it to this week's Rookie Replies. Our first question is from Brian Parker. Good evening, all. I'm new to the group and to real estate investing in general. I've been getting as much education as my time allows. I have a question about property management. How do property management companies handle maintenance? Do they fix the issue and submit invoices to the owner or withhold the amount from monthly payments to the owner? Just not sure how this part works. I have really been enjoying the amount of comments and great ideas that are shared in this group. So first of all, if you haven't already, join the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group to get to view some of these great comments and responses uh, for us. anyone. And if you guys have a question, you can post it into the group. We have over 54,000 people we just like is crazy. in the group uh, that can help you with your real estate questions. And we may pick it to be a reply on the show. So Isaac, um, how do property management companies handle maintenance? How have you seen that handled? Yeah, it kind of depends on the company. Uh, so I've had three different companies that I've worked with. And some have like a minimum deposit that you have to hold within the account, maybe like $500. Some don't have a minimum in there. And usually... There's an issue that they call in, the tenant calls in with, they go out, they fix it. Uh, since I'm out of state, I need like some type of picture or video mm -hmm. of what's being fixed. Like I'm not paying them unless I have a photo of what's getting done. Mm -hmm. And then either they'll take that amount away from the rent that's collected that month before they distribute it out to me, or they'll just like have a running balance within the account. And if it goes negative at the end of the month, I just have to pay them that overage that's owed. You said that you had three different or you've used three different property yeah. management companies. Uh, can you really quickly just what, like why, like what was the impetus to like firing one and moving on to that next one? Yeah. So initially I had a property manager in Illinois because I had a property in Illinois and then I had another property in Ohio at the same time. So I had those two and then I 1031 out of the property I had in Illinois to go to Columbus and I had two different experiences with the property managers from Illinois and Ohio mm -hmm. and just wanted to try out other PMs to see 
I didn't have a bad, I guess, experience with the one in Columbus, but I just want to see if there's somebody better. Mm-hmm. So I went with somebody else. And usually you have to sign like a certain contract, like maybe a year or two years with them before you come back out or you owe them some type of money. Mm-hmm. So I went with somebody else just to get the experience to see which one kind of works better for me in terms of a biggest thing was like communication. Mm-hmm. Like it would take a while for me to hear back from the guy in Columbus and especially being out of state. Like I want to hear a response right away within 24 hours to know what's going on with the property. So um, just to, I guess, spread out and figure out like who's the best fit for me in terms of a PM company. And do you feel like you found that with that second company in Ohio or, or was it more or less the same between both companies? It, I, I think I found it with the second company. Okay. They were definitely, see, I guess the difference was they managed a lot. So they managed right around 300 properties within the area. Mm-hmm. And the other company was a, the first company was a bigger company. They managed maybe a thousand. So like they were good at what they did, mm-hmm. but since I only had a certain amount of units with them, right. I wasn't their first priority. Right. So then we're going to hear back from compared to the smaller company I was with. They didn't have as many people and they could reach back out. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like going with like the mega PM versus like going with the smaller mom and pop. Cause I think there's pros and cons to both. Right. Yeah. I think one thing too is finding out, when you do find a property management company, are they trying to become that mega company? Because I think that's where I ran into trouble with mine is that they were somewhat smaller, but they were trying to grow and scale and they scaled way too fast where they're, you know, they didn't have the staff, they didn't have the systems in place. And we had so many issues because they were smaller and they have just exploded in growth over the last couple of years. So I would think that would be something to be very cautious of is when you're interviewing the company, ask what their growth plans are. If you prefer a smaller company, are they actually going to stay smaller and not grow and scale into this bigger company? And I think that just also leads into a like a, an important point about building your own real estate business is that sometimes you can scale too fast. And the systems and processes that work when you have five properties, five units may not work when you have 20. And what what works at 20 may not work at 30 and 40. So even as you're scaling your own business, it's really important for you to kind of constantly be checking for those different, I don't know, like breaking points in your business. Like we want to launch a a co-hosting, like a short-term rental property management company. We're holding off on it for the exact point of we want to make sure that our systems and our processes can support that growth before we turn it on. So just an important point for all of our rookies to understand is that growth just for the sake of growth isn't always a a good thing. Okay. Let's take our next question from Scott Forney. What are you doing when buying property that is occupied by tenants? Do you keep the current tenants there? Do you make them apply again with you? Or are you stuck with the lease they had with the previous owner? What if they aren't paying rent? Can you get them out now that ownership has changed, even if there was a moratorium? This question comes up as it sounds like inherited tenants don't work out most of the time. So Isaac, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I guess from previous experiences, all the properties I've had have had inherited tenants. Um, Would prefer it to be vacant, preferably. But uh, my first, uh, I guess, deal that I received was inherited. And I didn't think to ask if the tenants were up to date with rent and found out afterwards and the sellers didn't pay for and six it, months. The sellers didn't, didn't tell me. Like, they that didn't tell me. Yeah, I know you're they thinking about buying me. this property, but just so you know, yeah. the, the tenants have not paid. So yeah. I got in and found out they were six months late on rent and I hadn't yeah. paid. And, and at that time it was the COVID moratorium and they're trying to get, I guess, rental assistance through the city. So that was, I guess the reason why they were still in there. And it kind of just depends what state you're in. At that time I was in Illinois and they're not, as much of a landlord friendly state. So the eviction would have took about three months. And then especially for that city itself, they don't really evict during the winter time because they don't want people to be outside 
when it's super cold. Um, so I was pretty much just stuck waiting until that rental assistance came in, which it took about two months. And it was like two months of work because I didn't, wasn't sure if I was going to get it or not kind of thing. So um, usually, yeah, I keep the tenants until their leases is up. Or leases are up before I, you know, switch them out. But yeah, it's definitely a lot easier if it's vacant when you get it. Yeah. I, and that is one question um, that Scott had was, are you stuck with the lease they had with the previous owner? Yes. If their lease term says they have another six months on that lease, you are stuck with them for six months, unless you do an eviction and have probable cause for the eviction, like non-payment. One thing that I have done when purchasing a property with inherited tenants is doing an estoppel agreement. Can you spell estoppel? Actually, I can. E-S-T-O-P-P-E-L. Yeah. And that wasn't me trying to like put you on the spot. <laughs> I know. Just I know. like the first time I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, what like what word is that? There and, might even be two L's at the end of it, yeah. but I think it's just one. Yeah. 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 Uh so a sample agreement, you can Google samples of these, but basically you ask the seller um for permission to give this to the tenant and then they will mail it back to you or get it back to you. And it's a contact form. That shows the ask the tenants to supply their contact information so you can go ahead and put it into your property management software um, for when you're ready to close. Ask them the terms of their lease. So when does it expire? How much is their rent? Do they pay any pet fees? Are utilities included? What utilities do they pay? Do they have any pets? Um, are do they own the appliances or does the landlord uh, own the appliances? And this is stuff that you can help verify with what the owner said. And compared to what the tenant is saying to you and also the terms of the lease that they both are on the same page because I've bought properties where it's a verbal agreement. There's not even a, you know, a contract, a lease agreement. So this, uh, this sample agreement, then I have the tenant sign it and give it back to me. And I just use that to kind of gauge more information on the property than ask if, you know, they are aware of any repairs or maintenance that needs to be done on the property too. What about like the the non-payment? Like how can you as a prospective buyer validate whether or not that tenant has been paying rent? Like what steps would you take? So if there's a property management company in place, you can ask to see the detail of their payments um, on that part. If it is just a cash, you know, they give cash to the landlord, that's definitely a lot harder to track. You could ask for um, the bank statements showing the deposits. Sometimes, you know, in smaller mom and pop landlords, they'll actually give deposit slips to the tenants and they'll go and deposit their own rent every single month into the bank account. So you can ask for the bank statements to show proof of that. Um, But I think if you, the landlord tells you one thing and then the tenant tells you one thing, you know that something is off there. So that can kind of be a red flag. And did you did you ask um, anything about potential rent payments and the, the landlord was just like untruthful or was it just he didn't say anything, you didn't say anything? And, you know, like, how, how did that conversation play out? So I asked them for the lease, like to confirm what the rents were. Right. Yeah. So I knew what the rents were supposed to be according <laughs> right. to the lease. But I no, I didn't yeah, ask yeah. at the time. So learning lesson. Oh, I, and I, I think that is yeah. such an easy rookie mistake totally. to make. There's so many things that you need to ask and to verify um, and to do. And that's the real estate rookie bootcamp. We actually put together an acquisitions checklist for the boot campers, and where we go through, like, here's the things that you should be ver- verifying and asking because I've been ready to close and my realtor say to me, so you got the utility switch and you got insurance on the place, right? We're closing tomorrow. And I'll be like, 
oh my God, no, I didn't get insurance. On it. <laughs> I got to do that right now. Yeah. And just like, there's so many things that it's easy to forget one thing. But as the buyer, depending on what the current lease says, you can ask for the property to be delivered vacant. Like if the lease allows for that current owner to terminate the lease, mm-hmm. you know, with 30 day notice, right? Yeah. You can definitely write, Hey, I'm not purchasing this property unless the property is delivered vacant. And I've done that for usually our flips will do that because, you know, flips mm-hmm. are usually something, you know, there's stuff like that going on. But if I'm buying a flip, I, I usually want to deliver vacant. Okay. So our next question is from James M. I've seen a lot of posts about keyless locks and other smart devices like smart thermostats being used in rentals. I'm planning out my first rental and I'm wondering how investors are supplying Wi-Fi to these devices with renters in the unit. Are the investors offering free Wi-Fi to the tenants or do they have a separate secured Wi-Fi network for devices in the unit? Does anyone have any insight into this? That's a really good question. I never thought about that. Great question. And like, you know, obviously we're in the short-term rental space, so all of our units have Mm -hmm. the smart devices like this, but... I've never thought about doing but it. But that's in a, because you're paying because the we're Wi-Fi paying for the, the Wi-Fi, yeah. right? Like, if it were, I don't like. How would you handle that? Like, if you wanted to put a smart lock in one of your units, what would you? do? I don't know. I'm hoping Isaac has yeah. the answer to this because I don't. Yeah. Know that. Well, like, I guess first, do you yeah. have any of those smart devices in your long-term rentals? I do not. So I if you if you were to out. offer one, which route would you take? Would you do the where you're paying for some kind of Wi-Fi, or, or just put on the guest, or like, or the the tenant? Like, how would you how would you handle that? Great question. I would more than likely probably get provide my own Wi-Fi for that and then mm. just charge it back to the tenant. Yeah, increase the rent yeah. by however much. Because you're gonna the yeah. Wi-Fi cost is gonna stay the same. It's not gonna be like the electric bill where it fluctuates right. most of the time your internet bill is the same every think, single month. I think that works for a single family residence, right? But what if you have like like a small multi, right? Where there's like four units. Well, then you could do Wi-Fi in each unit and, and just all bill it back. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Or you, you could divide it by all four units. Yeah. Just whatever that is and charge. Them. Charges all of them. Yeah. 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 That's tricky. I don't know. I feel like I almost wouldn't give them the Wi-Fi. I'd say, here's the lock. Here are instructions on how to set it up when you set up your Wi-Fi. But, you know, just like imagine like if the Wi-Fi goes down and now they can't get into their apartment and now they're they're like calling you. Yeah. But if the most of them are have Bluetooth capability, too, or they have the That's backup true. battery. That's so true. like at our the short term rentals, the encode lock. That's true. Too, even, like yeah, if even the Wi-Fi, no Wi-Fi. Yeah, it still opens it and closes it. That's a valid point. But there's um, remote lock. Mm-hmm. is a company do you guys use that at all for we use the on code okay yeah yeah so we started working with remote lock to integrate with our short-term rentals to send the code mm-hmm. for um guests that check in but they also have a program for like apartment complexes interesting and so yeah that'd be a good question to ask them as to how, how does they that work? manage right. that yeah yeah that was a great question yeah yeah <laughs> got us thinking <laughs> Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. 
With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor for six months of Rent Ready for only $1. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Okay, our next question is from Michael Ruder. What type of homeowners insurance do people like on their rentals? So Isaac, what are you? What kind of uh, insurance policies are you putting on your properties? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, it's through State Farm, but it's yeah. like you you just tell types. your insurance agent you're buying a rental property. Right. And they yeah, put yeah, it yeah, on they give me the different like. <laughs> do you want the most? Like, how this is your deductible? How right, much right, do you right. want? Like, I, I don't know. What, what are the different types? Real, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm saying you would go and the difference is, is that you would go and get a landlord policy mm. where you're covering the building and the structure. And then you have a liability for the property too, um, where if it was your primary residence, you'd be going and you'd be getting, you know, insurance on all your furniture, your contents, things like that. So Oftentimes, it's actually cheaper for your long-term rental because as long as there's not a lot of hazards that are going to create huge liability. Like flood insurance in Shreveport, Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's it's cheaper because you're not covering all of the contents inside the house. And if your finishes aren't you know, granite and all of these expensive finishes onto the actual property too, then, you know, your coverage isn't going to be as high. So your premium is going to be lower because of that too on an investment property. Isaac, do you or your property management company uh, ask your tenants to get uh, renter's insurance for your units? Yeah, yeah, that is a requirement that they have to have renter's insurance just in case there is some type of theft or some type of issue that they're covered. Mm -hmm. That's not a a liability for me. Is it the same for you? 
You have renter's insurance? Yeah. So each tenant is required to do that. And what the renter's insurance covers is their contents within the property. So we had an issue one time in an apartment complex where there was ice damming on the roof and it caused, then the ice started to melt, but where it was damped up, the water started leaking into the roof and was dripping down into people's apartments and it damaged some uh, of the people's contents. This was still when I was very much brand new at property management and I just did not like controversy. And the tenant came to me and was like, here's my bill for my, you know, my new curtains, my new this. And I think it was like $225 or something. And she wanted to be reimbursed for that. And I said, well, that's for, you know, what your renter's insurance would cover is your contents for something like that. And She's like, well, then my premium will go up if I make a claim. And this wasn't my fault. This was, you know, the structure of the building, which was technically weather related that Mm. this happened. So it wasn't our fault either. And I gave in and I caved and I ended up reimbursing her for that. But that really was a lesson to me that really defeated the whole purpose of Mm -hmm. her even having that policy. And it almost goes back to like what you say about the lease, right? It's like, well, what is, what does the lease say? Right. And using the lease to be like the bad guy in that situation. But like, I've seen some landlords where they won't even allow you to move in unless you show proof of Mm -hmm. your renter's insurance, um, just to make sure that that actually is in place. Yeah. And the property management software. So like rent ready, buildium, appfolio, and all of those ones I've seen, where there's a place to upload it, where, you know, it expires or it's going to expire. The tenants get a notification. They need to upload their new document. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, it's all tracked right in the property management software. And a lot of times now too, the tenant can actually buy renter's insurance through the property management software. So when they sign their lease, it gives them the option of buying the, um, uh, the insurance policy right through there. Do you know how much your tenants are paying for like renters insurance? Right um, now? my one business partner actually lived in the apartment in one of the complexes and it was like $95 for the year. Like yeah. it was nothing Something's like dirty. Like, is it the same in, yeah. in Ohio? Like 10 bucks. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah. I think when I was renting, I think I was paying like 17 bucks a month yeah. for renters insurance. Yeah. So it's, it's super inexpensive for those of you guys that are listening. Um, but it can definitely save both the tenant and the landlord, I think from a lot of headache. Yeah. All right. So one bonus question, because this one kind of ties into what we were just talking about, but this question comes from Caleb Boyd and Caleb's question is new question here. Do you change the locks after each tenant leaves? So Isaac, how do you, how do you guys handle that for your units? Yeah. Typically in terms of security, like initially when we first buy the property, we'll change the locks, put in new locks, then each term we'll put in new locks. And then depending on how long, usually as soon as the property goes vacant, we'll put in like a security system in there. So I use simply safe just to monitor it just in case somebody tries to break in while nobody's there. But yeah, usually switch out the locks and put it in a security system during the turn. Have you ever not changed the locks at one of your properties and it like caused a problem? No, I have not, but I do have like kind of a story about where we thought it was a problem. But before I tell that, um, we do change the locks. And when I was self-managing, um, I actually just pulled it up. It was landlord locks.com where you can actually just buy the like the handle and then it has the lock insert so instead of changing out the whole door handle every time 
you're just changing out the insert and you can, you set up a master with them. So every time you need to reorder, you're getting it set on your own master key too. So if you order more locks, it's integrated into your master system. That's so cool. Yeah. So we've, um, we did that. And then our property management company now, I'm pretty sure they go and buy a new door lock just from Lowe's every single time. And there's no like (laughs) rhyme or reason to it. (laughs) Not very efficient, not how I would do it. Um, per se. And then I think how we talked about the, you know, the lock integration, if you have the key code locks them, that's a lot easier to just change the key code. Uh, so somewhat related, but, um, a story of just like why you should make sure you're like managing access to your properties. Uh, so for our short-term rentals, we have two properties that are on like adjacent lots, but they're fenced in together. So if you walked in, you would think it was just like one big compound with both properties and one house is, um, you know, I don't know, on the left one's on the right. And it's like, I don't know, like 50 yards in between the two houses. Right. So someone books the house on the left. And, um, when they get there, it's two girls. One girl goes into the house on the left and another girl's like, Oh, there's another, and we can see all this on the camera. That's how we know this is how it happened. They pull up to the house on the left, which is the house they booked and like, Oh, there's another house over here. Let's walk over here. Oh, let's see if our door code works. And we had left the default codes like active on the locks. So each property had its own code, but we never deleted like the default codes. So they typed in boom, 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 and the door unlocks. So they get there, you know, at four o'clock, they check in and they're just now they're in both properties, just like <laughs> hanging out in both houses. One girl drags her luggage over to the other house they didn't book. And then the family that actually booked that property on the right, they show up and they call us. They're like, hey, somebody's like in the property. So we call we're like, what's going on? And the girl, the girl who was in the wrong house was like, oh, I'm, I'm so confused. You know, when we booked, we thought it was both of them, which makes no sense because yeah. the listing only had one property in there. So anyway, long story short, we learned that lesson even for our short term rentals. We want to make sure that the, go- the guest codes activate and deactivate based on when they check in and never use the same code between two different properties, especially if they're right next door to each other, which in hindsight makes sense, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. When So with a 40 unit apartment complex where we had the master lock set in place, like there's also a lesson in having a master lock. So you have the master key that goes into every door and then every person gets their own personal key to that door. So we had an issue with a tenant and she was actually really good friends with the owner of the property. And she came home one day, she had spent the night at a friend's house, came home, she went to shower, something came back out. And there was a set of keys on her bed that weren't hers. And she's going out and like clicking the the remote on the key because it had like a a key fob on it for a car. No car is going off. So she is in panic mode that somebody was in her apartment. So, you know, her, she she was like, I'm pretty sure my, my door was locked when I came in, but I can't remember. I just don't know if I did unlock it or not. And just freaking out that somebody was in her unit. So we're trying to figure this out. And the thing we can think of first is, oh my, somebody got a hold of a master key and, or somebody got a hold of her key, but we don't know for sure. And so we start integrating this plan to completely change out all of the locks in the building. And the owner's wife, if she was really good friends with her, is we need security cameras in this property. Like this cannot, something like this shouldn't be happening. So we fully integrate, like the next day, we have um, an IT guy already coming in, setting up the security cameras. It was probably maybe... So that happened on a Monday or a Sunday, I think. And that Friday, 
we were set to have the new locks installed the following week. The whole camera system was already put in. I go out to dinner and I see that tenant with the owner's wife. And the owner's wife goes, oh my gosh, did she tell you what happened? And she's like, no, don't tell her, don't tell her. And I was like, what? And she goes, well, those keys on the bed, when I had left my friend's house, I had accidentally grabbed his keys and put them in my bag. And then they fell out of my bag on the bed. When I got to my apartment, they ended up being his. And the first thing was, you weren't going to tell me? You weren't going to say, oh, no, don't go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars and time switching out the locks. And they just thought it was so funny that it was just, oh, my gosh, this, you know, it was no big deal. Nothing happened. And here I am sweating and gritting my teeth like, are you serious? But a sigh of relief that the master key was not lost, that, you know, nobody had broken into her unit, but. Yeah, definitely Good stories. A stressful yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for joining us. Can you let everyone know where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about you? Yeah, most definitely. If you uh, follow me on Instagram, it's Isaac Lane. So I-S-A-A-C-L-A-N-E-R-E-I. Um, that's my Instagram. That's the main way to find uh, reach out to me. So Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming to record with us here live in Phoenix. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals. He's Tony at Tony J. Robinson. And we'll be back on Wednesday with a guest. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.